Our Old Testament reading this morning is from Exodus. It is the, the 15th chapter, not the 14th. Last week, we heard a reading from the 14th chapter of Exodus. And we heard a reading last week when the, um, the Israelites found themselves in a, in a very tough spot. They were between the Pharaoh's army and the Red Sea. And uh, they were crying out as uh, Moses invited them to do to the Lord. Uh, that he would hear their prayer and respond. And in the 15th chapter of Exodus, we're looking back now uh, on the miraculous response that the Lord has garnered, this victory he has won for them. In the 15th chapter, beginning at verse 13 and continuing through verse 18, we hear about, this, about the second half of what's called the Song of Moses as he leads the people in rejoicing for this mighty work of salvation that has been wrought for them by the Lord. So I invite you to listen now for a word from the Lord as it is there written. You stretch out your right hand and the earth swallows your enemies in your unfailing love, you will lead the people you have redeemed. In your strength, you will guide them to your holy dwelling. The nations will hear and tremble. Anguish will grip the people of Philistia. The chiefs of Edom will be terrified. The leaders of Moab will be seized with trembling. The people of Canaan will melt away. Terror and dread will fall on them. By the power of your arm, they will be as still as a stone until your people pass by, Lord, until the people you bought pass by. You will bring them in and plant them on the mountain of your inheritance, the place, Lord, you made for your dwelling, the sanctuary, Lord, your hands established. The Lord reigns forever and ever. Here ends this reading of God's holy word. Our New Testament reading for this morning comes to us from the first chapter of the book of Acts, beginning verse 12 and continuing through verse 14. I, again, invite you to listen for a word from the Lord as it is there written. Then they, the disciples, returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath's day journey away. When they had entered the city, they went to the room upstairs where they were staying, Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. All these were constantly devoting themselves to prayer, together with certain women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, as well as as his brothers. Here ends this reading from God's holy word. As noted in the bulletin this morning, uh, today is the Sunday on which we celebrate the dawning of the Protestant Reformation, of which we as Presbyterians are proud progeny. This morning's New Testament text from very near the beginning of the book of Acts 
gives us a a brief glimpse into the lives of Jesus' disciples in the immediate aftermath of his ascension to the Father. So, how might uh, the the Reformation and the the disciples in the aftermath of Jesus' ascension be connected? Well, for one thing, uh, these two occurrences did not take place in a vacuum. It wasn't as if Martin Luther woke the morning of All Saints or All Hallows' Eve in the year of 1517 and thought to himself, hmm, after morning prayers today, I think I'll start a religious revolution. Though that is indeed what proceeded from his airing of his grievances with the religious system that he was a part of. It was, by all accounts, an unintended, unintended byproduct of his disillusionment. We know that he was a pious monk and that he was unwavering in his dedication to serving his God. In his writing, he offered correctives to the body of Christ, the church, of which he himself was a part. The collection of 95 suggestions or theses were composed over a period of time and informed by years of personal experience, and they were also informed through prayer, discernment, and the moving of the Holy Spirit. And those are just the very same agencies which we see at work in this morning's New Testament reading from Acts. The disciples have come down from the mountain, and now they are back home in the city. And this is providentially the the same sort of journey which I mentioned in this past week's congregational email that I have undertaken recently. Uh, On the mount called Olivet, the resurrected Jesus had given them final instructions and then taken his leave of them that he might be seated on high at the right hand of the Father. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead as we say each week in the Apostles' Creed. The last thing his friends asked of him was, is now the time? Is now the time when you're fixing to make all things new around here? And his cryptic answer to them could be categorized as a definite maybe. Just you wait and see was more or less his message to them, but... He also promised that they would be empowered by the Spirit of God to do His works on earth until such time as the kingdom was fulfilled. As the ripples moved outward from Wittenberg, where Luther had posted his observations, his concerns, and his critiques of the Roman church, 
people probably began asking a very similar question. Is now the time? Is this the time, O Lord, when you will refine your church and make her more fully an instrument for manifesting the kingdom on earth as it is in heaven? With the benefit now of over 500 years of hindsight, perhaps we can begin to answer that question with more than a definite maybe. But I don't want us to spend all our time here this morning simply looking back and reflecting on that which has taken place in the distant past. Rather, I want us to reflect on the recent past, the present, and to look ahead to the future as well. Some of you here this morning were also here in the pews four years ago this Sunday. You may not remember that particular Sunday, but I do. It was during our Reformation Sunday worship service of 2019 that I stood here in this pulpit and I invited you all to join me in inaugurating a season of prayer and discernment for reformation, individually as Christians, new creations in Christ, and corporately as the body of Christ, his church. My hope was that in time, the Lord would speak to us and reveal his will to us for the future of ministry in his name here at Rehoboth. It seemed that the time was right as we were celebrating this spark which ignited a worldwide reformation in the body of Christ that we too in this little corner of the kingdom should be actively engaged in petitioning God for guidance and divine wisdom as we partnered with him to embark on a new chapter in mission and ministry flowing out from the bonds from the bounds of this historic sanctuary. And as you may recall, even if you weren't present here four years ago that Sunday, it was a matter of mere weeks before the scourge of COVID reached these shores and the life of the church was radically transformed. We experienced a Reformation, all right, and it certainly looked nothing like that which any of us had dreamt of. But just as the first disciples of Jesus spent their time awaiting the promised directing and energizing from on high, I continue to believe that it is essential that we too beseech the Lord for discernment for guidance and for strength. I was reminded while attending the small church conference in North Carolina of both the importance and the power of this very type of prayer. As I described in detail last Sunday, among the activities we were led in was, was praying for one another to receive an anointing or a fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit. And I truly believe that God has answered or at least begun to answer those 
prayers, with a movement of revival amongst those who were present at the conference. So I would invite you to join me in yet another intentional, focused season of prayer for the reformation of the church at large and the body of Christ at Rehoboth in particular. One of the things that can produce a degree of anxiety about such an endeavor as this is that one cannot know what the results of such a petition may yield down the line. And goodness knows, we sure do like to be in control. We, in the world of business and in the realm of the church, we, we like to imagine where we would like to be at some point in the future. Thus, we spend considerable time drafting and rewriting and refining yet some more three and five and even ten year plans. We like to be organized and we like to be efficient. And we Presbyterians, we have a history of doing church decently and in order. And though I certainly don't advocate deviating from the historic principles that have brought us to where we are today, I am also very much in favor of being led by the Spirit of the Lord that is, after all, His work that we are to be about. And this is very much in keeping with the example that the Reformers set for us half a millennia ago. They could not have known what world-changing consequences the public postings of the musings of a disillusioned yet devout clergyman and the subsequent discussions it engendered would have. Yet, in his providence, God has used the minds, the hearts, the hands, the, he the heads, the pens, and the mouths of these reformers, Martin Luther and the others, those who were drawn to Luther's defense and interpretation of the scripture's design for our living of the Christian life. In a similar fashion, though we do not know where a season of intentional prayer and discernment may lead us, we do know the one to whom we make our prayers, and he has reassured us time and time and time again throughout his holy word that we need fear not for he is for us and he is with us. In the sixth chapter of the first gospel, Jesus urges his followers to seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And he promises all manner of things then will be added unto you. It may well be that in our case, all manner of things translates to wisdom and discernment and strength and energy and perseverance, the sorts of things we desire and need for faithfully embarking on the next chapter of our work and witness as the body of Christ here at Rehoboth. That's all well and good, you might be thinking, but haven't we, both individually and as a church, haven't we 
got some bigger fish we need to fry. Praying to and waiting on the Lord may be all well and good, but we need to be faithfully acting right now in response to the stuff that is taking place in this world. Well, you aren't wrong for thinking that. And as pastor, it warms the cockles of me heart to see y'all at work making a tangible difference in the lives of others. We're in the midst right now of our collection period for the Samaritan's Purse Operation Christmas Child Shoebox Campaign. And the deacons of Old Rehoboth have just begun collecting winter coats to keep our vulnerable neighbors, men, women, and children right here in our own communities warm in the weeks and months ahead. And so I invite you to think of them and to look through your closets and find some spare clothing that you can bring to support the deacon's efforts for our neighbors right here on the shore. In this season, our finance committee will soon be presenting the proposed budget to the congregation at our stewardship lunch in three weeks. Such mission projects and necessary church work are, are not being suspended during this season of prayer and discernment that I'm advocating for, for reformation. It isn't an either or, but a both and. I'm not asking you to stop that which you're doing and pivot to something completely different. At least, I'm not asking you to do that right now. What I am suggesting is taking on a very important task that is crucial to the future of this church. The first Christians knew of the power of prayer. Our New Testament reading this morning tells us that in this immediate aftermath of the resurrected Jesus' ascension, they constantly devoted themselves to prayer and they would soon experience the gift of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. This Christian knows of the power of prayer. Every Friday morning, as has been accustomed now for literally decades, a group of men from a number of local churches gather at 6 a.m. for a Bible study and prayer breakfast. We share praise reports and concerns, and we pray. We pray for ourselves, for our friends and our families, for our neighbors, for our churches, for our nation and for the world. Attendees have said that as they or folks they know have been prayed for, they felt the holy power that was at work in their situation. I know that my ministry here is supported and upheld by your prayers. And for that, I am grateful beyond measure. 
And then at the small church conference, when a stranger to my right offered a prayer of intercession for me, that I might receive a fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit. And it led me to to ditch a well-researched and academic sermon in favor of a bunch of strung-together experiences and observations that at least a couple of you said that you appreciated hearing from the pulpit. Well, these are all reasons that I am confident that a concerted corporate season of prayer and discernment will yield fruit for this church as we go forward together. On the eve of the eve of the anniversary of the beginning of the Reformation in the worldwide body of Christ, I believe we are approaching a reformation of our local branch office. I really don't know the various forms it may take, but two things I do know. First, as with the reformers of the 16th century, no matter how messy or chaotic or dangerous things got for them, and though in many cases it looked like a very different animal when the dust settled, well, God always brought his church through out the other side, so I have no doubt that he'll do the same for Rehoboth. Second, prayer is absolutely essential for us to be on board with the plans the Lord has for his bride. If we truly desire to discern and obey his will for this congregation, there is no substitute for hearing it directly from him. And prayer is the unique gift that he has given us for achieving just this very thing. So, on this Reformation Sunday 2023, I hope, nay, I pray, that you will join me in entering what amounts to an extended Advent season of prayer, hope, and expectant watching, listening, waiting for the Lord to reveal His desire for old Rehoboth and for her people. And for that, we may truly say, thanks be to God and amen.